Where speakers share tips from the road to make the platform explode, this is the Key 5 Podcast with your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Dr. Ann Colts, a speaker, author, physician, and passionate wellness expert devoted to empowering you to live your healthiest life. Let's get started. So, Dr. Ann, um, in one sentence, what, what do you speak about? Well, uh, I tell people how they can use diet and lifestyle as one of the surest and arguably the most effective way to totally transform their health, their happiness, and their quality of life. Wow. It's succinct. I love it. And I love the word transform. That's powerful. Uh, how did you end up in the business of being a speaker? Well, um, I have had a bit of a long and circuitous path. Uh, so I have known really my entire life that I was going to be a physician, that I never veered from that um, career aspiration and, um, you know, went to medical school, then landed in primary care. That's a whole nother story because I was always going to go into academic dermatology. I was quite the, you know, sort of the nerdy um, <laughs> academic medical kind of person but landed in primary care, family medicine. And as I evolved in that family medicine practice, I grew to absolutely love health promotion, wellness. And I noticed that when I was able to bring it into my practice, that it really just, people just lit up. Then on top of that, sort of from, you know, that decade of the nineties, there was just this avalanche of new science coming out telling us loud and clear that the majority of illness and chronic disease that people you know were experiencing in america and still are unfortunately are largely preventable through diet and lifestyle and i realized that that was truly my personal professional calling was to share that message with people so i made a really bold move people thought i was absolutely nuts and walked away from a thriving, very you know, busy and frankly lucrative private practice to devote myself to wellness. And I did not know where this new journey was going to take me, but I knew in my, I knew it intellectually and I knew in my heart, my soul, that it was um, a very exciting frontier. Well, early on in that wellness, you know, sort of this new sort of wellness practice, I had an opportunity to speak and I remember it very vividly. I still have my cards from that first talk. Uh, it was at my children's uh, elementary school PTA meeting, you know, a, a parents forum. And I did um, the talk, you know, you know, what's, why nutrition is so important to kids. And I remember when I was up there, something magical happened. I, I absolutely now I know retrospectively, I, I went right into flow you know, everything just mm -hmm. lined up. I felt so, um, so energized. There was just so much passion. And I, I also, re and I had so much fun. It was so gratifying. <laughs> and I realized, you know, I can help a lot more people doing this versus what I had conceived I was mm -hmm. going to be doing, which was continue to work with sort of people one-on-one, -on -one, albeit in this wellness thing. And so 
yeah, that was a revelation for me. And I'd remembered in college, we had to take public speaking as required. And I remember enjoying it. I remember the professor saying, you've got a gift hmm. and, and you need to join, you know, you need to get in these contests. I looked at her like she was from Mars and I said, <laughs> you know, I had no interest at all. So anyway, but after that experience at that first speaking engagement, you know, I thought, wow, this is what I'm going to do. So I just started looking for opportunities to bring that message, you know, where I could bring that message, that, you know, message for wellness and health promotion through disease, diet and lifestyle to larger audiences. And anyway, and it was just one thing after another. I mean, I, you know, I could write a book about what's happened with my career since that time. And it's, mm. Yeah, I would never have predicted. If you had ever told me, if you told me 20 years ago, I would have done hundreds of talks all over the country and outside the country as far away as Guam and written books and done these other things I've done, I would have said, you're, you're crazy. I, I would not even have conceived it was possible. So if, if, I don't know if you, it tells me that you've gone from being a, a dermatology nerd to a health and fitness nerd to now being a speaker nerd. So welcome to the club. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I love it. So tell me what, what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you got started? You know, it's funny. I was thinking hard about that question. Um, I wouldn't change anything. Meaning I really feel like every step I've taken and some of them were probably missteps. It was sort of required and necessary to kind of bring me to where I am now. I, you know, I'm very proud that I'm, I'm so organic and who I am and what I've become, you know, I've, I've, I'm very, very much self-made. I'm, I'm sort of a, a, a renegade in that I, I don't, I haven't really taken the typical pass. I've never been a part of like national speakers, NSA or, you know, these, some of these other things that, you know, people say, Oh, you gotta do this. Gotta... I, I just, frankly, I probably was naive. I probably didn't know about those things. I just started <laughs> speaking and then, you know, you speak and if you're good and you're passionate and you have a compelling message, then you get more talks. And, um, so, and I think mistakes are one of the most valuable. It's where you really grow and learn. And mm -hmm. so I personally wouldn't change anything, but boy, do I know so much now that I didn't know then. In fact, I'm mentoring someone who I think that I think is, you know, uh, absolutely on a star trajectory at, and, you know, as a position speaker. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I can just, I'm just can't wait. There's so much stuff I can share with him that will put him, you know, so far. <laughs> <laughs> So I do know, I must know a lot that I didn't know then, but I don't know if I would change my course. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, you probably tell a lot of stories. It's a lot of speakers. They, they tell stories and, mm -hmm. and when you do, how do you develop a story that you may use across multiple presentations? Well, you know, my, it, it, at the heart of my, um, mission is really education. And so I, I'm very fortunate. I kind of rephrase this question, you know, how do you develop a key message? Um, and yes, there's stories that are part of my message, but ultimately my message is really what people have to hear. I mean, I, I'm trying to basically inspire and educate people to build these strategies into their life so they can experience them. And you know, that, again, that takes time and teaching. And so I, and I'm very lucky in that those key strategies 
are really relevant to everyone. They're relevant for almost any message, almost any message um, an audience needs in terms of, you know, in the realm of my expertise. And in, in terms of making it, um, personalizing it and telling, you know, sharing human stories, I, I just sprinkle those throughout. Um, you know, it's not like I get up there and, and, and uh, show videos of testimonies of people that have taken advantage of, of my work. I, you know, I don't do that. I, 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 I need to speak as a really inspired, motivational teacher. Um, and it's really my message mm -hmm. that I just take that, that core message and it's very easy for me to ad adapt it to all sorts of, um, you know, different audiences and different, you know, audience goals. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's, and that's an important thing because, you know, you want, as a speaker, you do have to have, you have to have a compelling, very polished message to share Absolutely. And it's nice when you can take that and, and adjust it or modify it um, to appropriately fit really any audience you, you get in front of. And I'm very lucky that, you know, just like the content and the genre where I speak just allows for that. So I, I'm curious if you have different groups, do you, what are some of the, and how do you adapt to the different yeah. groups? You're talking to teenagers, you're talking to older people, retirees, right. what, exactly. what do you do to adapt? You know, educated folks, um, uneducated folks. So, and, and that's a, a great question, especially given the, these podcasts are probably trying to help speakers. I, I always, always have a very personal, oftentimes pretty in-depth conversation with the people that are bringing me in to speak. I insist on that, um, no matter what, even if they don't think they need it. Mm -hmm. And I want to know who is going to be in that audience. And I, a lot of times, I mean, I ask all sorts of questions, male, female, educated, uneducated, and you know, you know, who are they? Um, and then, you know, who are they? Define them. Then I, also want to know from them, what is your goal? You know what I do. You know what my expertise is. You're bringing me in as a speaker. How can I best serve you? So if I know those two things, I will always know. And sometimes I, and I drive the train oftentimes at the end of the day, an expert knows which of their messages are most you know, life-changing and most transformative for the given audience. So a lot of times the people bringing you in as a speaker don't know that. Mm -hmm. So I tend to, you know, and the other great thing about that, you know, hopefully all speakers at the end, at the end of the day, you have a, you're, you have a purpose, you have a mission and, and you're doing it to achieve this mission, which mm -hmm. I hope is making somehow the world a better place. And you know what messages are most important and, and you can sort of, drive that train and the other great thing about that is you've perf oftentimes you've perfected and you have honed and you have you know you, you can literally you're so good at the message it's a performance it's beyond just a <laughs> yep you know mm -hmm. so absolutely those are the two key things there so okay obviously as professional speakers we're in the business also of generating revenue mm -hmm. from our speaking business. Do you ever recommend that speakers should speak for free? And if so, why? So, you know, certainly most every speaker in, in the early 
part of their career is going to speak for free. I mean, I don't know how you start without speaking for free. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've never, I mean, I don't know how you would. So Mm -hmm. certainly early on, you must pretty much must speak for free. And and very shortly after that, if, if you have a compelling message and you're a good, a really good speaker, you can start to charge and then you can go up from there. Uh, and there are absolutely times where I think speaking for free is the right thing to do. Uh, on the other side of the coin, um, pricing integrity, I think, is critically important, both from a standpoint of ethical, you know, ethical business practices and also just to, because yes, as a speaker, and this is a constant thing with me because they say, oh, she's an MD. And I'm like, no, I don't practice anymore. I, I don't have a practice. I make my living from speaking mm-hmm. and, you know, creating other, um, you know, other products, but mostly speaking. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I have to adhere to my published speaking fees. So for me, and I think, you know, every speaker needs to decide this on their own. It needs to be pre, you know, you know, you always know it. It's, it's set in stone. It's something you've defined. What are the situations where I can, or perhaps should speak for free? And I think the, you know, the most important litmus test is ethics. Mm-hmm. So, f- and for me personally, I, I'll, you know, I'll just be honest. If I'm on a board of which I've been on several, I always will speak for free on behalf of that board's organization. Okay. So that's one for me. And then the other one for me is um, if there is a, faith-based, not-for-profit, that, and again, there's other little aspects to this, um, you know, that I know is doing extraordinary work that fits mm-hmm. into my mission, and mm-hmm. this happened recently, then, you know, I will absolutely and happily and with a, you know, really full heart do a, do a talk for free. It's almost like, I'm, I'm doing this for you, for all the amazing work you do that mm-hmm. oftentimes fit is part of like what I'm trying to do anyway. Okay. Um, and you know, so that's what I do. And there might be other, again, we all have people that have done, you know, maybe friends that have get, you know, done incredible favors for us and mm-hmm. maybe we wouldn't be where we are without them mm-hmm. as far as our speaking career. And, you know, so I think that, you know, I think it needs to be sort of individualized, as in the the speaker, they decide, but they need to have it set in stone because otherwise it can get, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I know other speakers know what I'm talking about. It, it can get dicey and uncomfortable and awkward if you don't have these things and stick by them. So, Well, I love your term pricing integrity. That's a good term. I got to remember that one. Yeah, that's a really good term. I, and I've heard that in this context way back somewhere. And I thought that is a great, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very true. Well, Dr. Ann, as we wrap up here, any um, secret trick or tip that you could share with our listeners? Sure. Um, a few things I think are really at the core of a incredible speaker. So y- you have to have a burning, blistering passion to of something that you want to share with the world. <laughs> and that, and if you have that, anyone can become an incredible speaker. So that, that is one thing. The other thing is I had sort of a revelation one time shortly before I was supposed to go on stage 
So I just wasn't, and I know other speakers know what I'm talking about when I say this. I just, I, I felt like I'd kind of lost my mojo. I mean, I'm a very high energy, you know, high passion speaker. I, you know, I, it's like, I don't even know where, it's like I'm just transformed on that stage with almost a different animal. And I was just feeling like I didn't, I wasn't there. And it was like, you know, I was just getting ready to go and say, and I, it just hit me. I was like, you know, Ann, just, you know what, just go out there and show your love. Just go out there and love that, love the people in that audience. And that, there was something that happened. And so that's always, you can always rely on that. If you're just not feeling the, the energy, the passion, just say, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to pour out my love to that audience. And it, I, that, was a, that was a sort of a revelation for me, uh, you know, a really hmm. important life speak, you know, lesson I had. Love that. Um, so. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Ann. This has been great. Thank you for having me. And, And as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about how to manage your energy and use it to connect when on stage. When you hear people talk about the speakers they like or admire, names like Brendan Burchard and Tony Robbins are frequently listed. And the number one reason why? is the energy they bring to the stage. Are speakers like this just more energetic than the rest of us? Or do they stock up on five-hour energy drinks? Perhaps both, but more likely, they've learned to control their behavior to be interpreted as energetic. Logically, I think we can deduce that they've given speeches when they were tired or emotionally drained. But as long as you can lift your hands, raise your voice, and move your body, you can appear energetic. By all means, don't mention that you're tired or jet-lagged. You're being paid to bring energy to the stage. People want and like and respect that high energy. So do your job. That's the mark of a true professional. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. Regardless how I might actually be feeling, my goal is to connect with you, our listeners, by always delivering a podcast with energy. On our next K5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Carl Sakis, a consultant to marketing agencies that Jay Baer refers to as the Dr. Phil of agency owners and managers, one part confident and one part ass kicker. (laughs) I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number five, podcast.com. And be sure to download the speaking tips available there. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.